Welcome to the C3 Church Coffs Harbour podcast. We're glad you're here. We pray that you'll be blessed and encouraged by this week's message. Hey everybody, welcome to number three of four video tutorials for How to Unhurry, the companion to my book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. We're just working through some very practical exercises and practices to slow our mind and our body down to the pace of Jesus and to tap into this deep reservoir of his love and his joy and his peace where we just live present to the moment. You know, if you pay attention to the life of Jesus, you notice that his teachings on money and on things are some of his most radical teachings on record. I think of Jesus' line, a person's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. That is literally the exact opposite message of what we hear in ad after ad, story after story, as it comes to us through the gurus of marketing and advertising. Nothing wrong with that at all. I'm not down on things or stuff or even wealth. There's a place for all of that in gratitude. But when you watch the life of Jesus and you pay close attention, you realize his life was very simple, not just with things, with time, with relationships, with attention. He lived with a high degree of intentionality, focus, and as a result, I think of Eugene Peterson's translation of Matthew 11, freely and lightly. There's just a joy, a sense of humor, an ease, a presence about Jesus, and I don't think it's a coincidence that his life was marked by the practice of simplicity. Now, there are all sorts of names for this practice or spiritual discipline, simplicity, simple living. The monks used to call it frugality. That has all sorts of negative connotations. Most secular people just call it minimalism. Now, minimalism is a great language for it, but often we hear that and we just think of a modern design house with no children and no mess or whatever it is. And simplicity is less about a design aesthetic or even how many things you have, though that's a key factor of it. It's just about how do we live where the main thing is the main thing, where our life is literally built around Jesus and our abiding prayer life with him about the relationships that matter most to us and about whatever the work or assignment that God has given us to do in the world is. Now, for this practice, we have some very simple exercises, most of which have to do with your stuff. How do you minimize? How do you cut your life, your stuff, your closet, your home, your apartment, your schedule, your budget down to the really good stuff where everything, every possession, in your care, every moment of your day is just spent well. You feel really good about it. A few things to begin. You are going to need to start four piles. Use bags, use boxes, use containers, whatever works for you. The first pile is a giveaway pile. Here's something that I have that's in a closet, in a room, in my life, in my wardrobe, and I don't need it anymore. Let me give it away to somebody in need or a family member or a friend. Second pile is sell. This is something that I want to make some money on and I can do whatever I want with that money in Jesus and his kingdom. And the third pile is to throw away or to recycle. This is just garbage or this is just time to go into the recycling bin. And the final pile is the most important and it's the weight pile. So one of the first things you discover as you begin to minimize your stuff and pare down your life is that most of us have a very emotional connection more than we realize with our stuff. We spent money on stuff. Money is representation of time from our job or our work or whatever. And so often we 
get not only sentimental but emotional about this stuff in our closet or in our home. And so if your experience is anything like mine, as you're doing this the first time or a couple of times, you'll have a lot of items, that shirt, a pair of shoes you don't really wear and you don't really want them but you spend a lot of money on them and you feel weird or it was a gift from your grandma or whatever it is, anything that's in question, just put it in the weight pile or in a bag or in a box. And then you just put that box away for whatever time period you set. I'd recommend, say, six months. And what you find is if at any moment something comes to mind, you're like, oh, I really want that jacket, or I really want that pot from grandma three Christmases ago, or whatever, I really want that bicycle I thought I would never use again, whatever it is, just take it out of the box or the bag or the garage, and great, enjoy it, and consider it again another time. But more than likely, once stuff goes in that pile, box, bag, you won't even give it a second thought. And then when you reopen it six months later, a year later, whatever, it will be much easier to just let go of it, sell it, give it away, throw it away, recycle, whatever the need is. Now, four very simple exercises. Each one will take you a little bit of time. Should be a lot of fun. Put on some good music or moving the background and just have fun with this. Exercise one is your closet. I really think the best place to start is your closet. You just go into your room, your bedroom, get your four piles ready to go. And then one idea is just to take every single thing out of your closet. Throw it on your bed or on the floor. Just take everything out. It's literally empty, vacuum, clean your closet, whatever. And then begin to sort things into giveaway pile, sell pile, throw away recycle pile, and weight pile, which more likely will be your biggest pile. And then as you're ready, just begin to add things back in. Now again, no legalism, no right, no wrong. You want to have a lot of things. You want to have a little things. There's all sorts of ways to do this. And I have some very specific examples in How to Unhurry that I've written up line by line. Exercise two is basically to do the same thing but with your stuff. I recommend that you start somewhere easy and non-sentimental, like the bathroom or the linen closet, and then maybe move on to somewhere like the living room where there's no closet to mess around with, and then maybe end in the kitchen, which is a little bit overwhelming if you have a kitchen and it's full of stuff. And again, same thing, four piles. Take everything out if you want, or that's a little bit tricky in the kitchen, so whatever works for you. And again, same thing, one pile, give away. Another, sell. Another, throw away, recycle. And another, keep or just wait on until next time. Put things back. And you'll begin to feel that as you do this, room by room, moment by moment, thing by thing, possession by possession, you will begin to just feel this freedom creep up in your heart and this weight that you didn't even know you were carrying of too much stuff, clutter, distraction just fall off of your shoulders. Some of you will feel this more than others based on your personality, but I really think no matter what your personality is, you'll feel this and you'll begin to feel, again, in Matthew 11, freer and lighter. If your experience is anything like mine, you will have to do this more than once. We literally, my wife and I, started in our closets, went through every room in the house and got more and more ruthless as we went on and then had to do the whole thing again. And then six months later, we did it again and then a year later, we did it again. And now we're down to the basis where we do this kind of once a year. We'll just go through each room, particularly with kids, which are just magnets for stuff, and just kind of do a declutter, a cleanse, an annual minimize day. 
Exercise three is to draw your attention to basically papers. If your life is anything like mine, you have drawers and closets and boxes just full of random photographs and papers and bills and records. And this stuff just begins to take up space and time and mess and noise and distraction. And this is the digital age. It's worth your money, I think, to go to Amazon.com or whatever, buy some kind of a scanner to just scan stuff in, make a digital copy, almost anything that we have in paper, we can put into a digital copy, get rid of what we need to get rid of, put the rest on a laptop or a hard drive somewhere, and again, just begin to open up space in our life. Now, this one is a bit of a pain. It's not that fun. It will take you a little while. That's why I put it as week three, not week one. But just go through kind of your paper life, your photo life, and begin to just scan everything in, digitize everything, clean up the clutter in your life, and again, simplify your life to where you begin to live where the main thing is life with Jesus, relationships, and the work that God's put before you. Finally, is just a week for budget and schedule, where you basically apply this logic of less is more, and life isn't about like more stuff. More stuff often just equals more anxiety and more hurry rather than peace and joy and love. But you apply it not just to stuff and not just to papers, but to your budget and to your schedule, to the main resources that we have to offer Jesus and the world, our time and our money. So a budget is pretty simple. There are all sorts of ways to do it. I have some ideas in the workbook that are written up for you, but come up with some kind of a budget and then a schedule where you basically just get out a piece of paper or do it on your computer if you want and come up with your ideal schedule, your ideal week at a glance. Man, put in the spiritual disciplines that are dear to your heart right now. Put in the relationships that matter most. Put in dinner times with the family or a connect point with your best friend. Put in church in there. Put in work habits. Put in exercise or eight hours of sleep a night or whatever it is. Just come up with, man, and this feels like what would be a really ideal week with Jesus to just live with the easy yoke of Jesus with a lot of joy. Write both of those things up. A plan for your money, a plan for your time. Ideally, share it with somebody to hold you accountable and then pick a period of time to live into it, whether that's a month or a year or anything in between and have somebody hold you accountable and tweak your practice as you go on. You want to add some time here, add some money there, change, detract, whatever it is. Massage it as you go along but begin to work on living with a higher degree of intentionality, purpose, focus. And as a result, less and less anxiety, stress, distraction, busyness, and hurry, and more of the life that Jesus has for you. For more information, download How to Unhurry off of my website to begin your practice of simplicity. Cool. Um, he mentions a couple of times in the video um, workbook and things like that. I just thought I'd make mention that. Thank you, Kim. Um, in... Not next week, but the week after's e-newsletter. We're going to be putting in there, we're going to embed all of these videos into that email, as well as a PDF of that booklet, which has all four weeks and all this explanation and how-to tips and tricks. So all that will be available absolutely free. We're going to put in the church email newsletter. Um, so if you're not signed up, you'll need to do that at the counter after the service, and we'll get you that email. Next steps. Sorry, my bad. Hey. Hey. How are you? Good. Tell us about Simplicity. simplicity. The reason you married me. I think that um, I love the the practicals about the stuff, but I actually feel like he touched more on the clearing closet, doing all that kind of thing. But I think the most important part of that message is actually 
simplifying your schedule. Mm. I think that Marie Kondo was great for all of us 12 months ago. I don't know, a lot of us got on that bandwagon and um, that's great. But you Does it spark joy? Does it spark yes. joy? I don't know. And I'm pretty ruthless already with having a, um, a minimal, minimal stuff. I don't like stuff. So for me, I think what spoke to me really about that was about how you're spending your time and simplifying your schedule and creating a margin in your life. Um, There's just so much stuff. I mean, these 10 minute videos and his book, there's another book that we've got in the um, bookstore over here to help with the hustle. And then the guy that wrote this book and John Mark Cohn and then have a podcast together that's got like 10, like there's just so much out there that these guys have written together. And, Marie Kondo, schedule, time. (laughs) So I've just finished reading this book as well, so I feel like I'm actually overloaded with it. But yeah, the biggest thing for us, I think, has been the schedule in in regards to simplicity. Yeah, and I think too, like this, this can seem like, oh, this is just a big self-help thing. I came to church to hear about Jesus. I get that. So Jesus himself says in Matthew six thirty-three to seek first the kingdom of God, and so. That's what this series is about, is helping us do that. Um, because the kingdom of this world is, is trying to seek us for their, our attention and our time and our money and our energy. And so to seek the kingdom first is to simplify, it's to slow down, it's to find the rhythm that Jesus would have for us. Um, and Jesus also says in, in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, a person's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Yet... If we were true to ourselves, we'd probably go, actually, I've lived like it has. I've lived my life like my possessions are a sum total of my identity, who I am. And if I have more, I am more. And Jesus is saying, there's nothing wrong with having stuff, but it is not, not linked to your identity in any way, shape, or form. If it's not helping you, it's hindering you. And so identity is found in Christ and Christ alone. So um, simplicity is one way that's going to help us manage that well. You wanted to say something? <laughs> okay. You you can just keep talking about the stuff thing. The stuff thing. Yeah, I think I remember when I was um when I was really young and mum remember she took me to my auntie's house. Not you, Auntie Jan, not you, not your house. Your house is very tidy and clean and, and you could, you know, white glove that place, it'd be awesome. But another auntie's house I, I went to as a young child and I I've never experienced anything like this. It was just like you could not see carpet. There was just stuff everywhere and you'd open the there's an internal door that goes from inside to out to the garage and there's two steps down and literally there was rubbish in the entirety of the garage floor up to the first step where you'd have to just crunch on top of like pizza boxes and uh, hungry jacks stuff like it was just crazy and inside was just like they'd buy a flat screen tv or something and they just throw the box on the floor and all the bits and pieces and styrofoam so it was stressful just to be there I remember once being there, she's like, oh, where's my car keys? <laughs> so I try and find her car keys. They're like, you, you, we're not finding these car keys. Are you, are you kidding me? Like, look around. Where do you think? And so he's just swimming through her living room, just doing strokes between the lounge and trying to find these keys. And, and it got me thinking, you know, sometimes, obviously, that, that's an extreme. And, and, but I think there's a similarity there between, you know, us going, well, what, what is the mission that Jesus has called us to? 
And, and how do we hear that voice of God that says, hey, this is the reason I put you on planet Earth. This is your mission. This is the work I have for you. And, and it's like sometimes we've structured our life in such a way that it's like trying to find those car keys in the middle of that lounge room. And we, 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 our schedule is so packed. Our, our life is so stretched that um, we know in our very core that we need to be living on mission with God. But we've put so many things around us that it's just finds it, we find it really hard to find that mission that purpose and so this series is trying to help us discover those car keys if you will I love a quote from um, somewhere one of these it says simplicity is an inward reality that can be seen in an outward lifestyle that's Richard uh, Foster in his book Simplicity there you go mm-hmm. I'm not kidding it is just yeah he's so funny no. yeah bibliography that's the word no, no. no, it's a good quote though. It's a great quote. Let's talk about the quote. Your heart is pulled into the center of Jesus and the kingdom of God, and then what manifests out of that is our lifestyle. Mm. So, how busy is our schedule? How much stuff do we have? How many sporting teams are we part of? How overdone are we in the hurry? And I love this from this book. It says, "Tick, tick, tick," the sound of a clock but also the sound of most of our hearts, the soundtrack of anxiety and pressure. We don't eat or sleep when we're hungry or tired anymore. We eat when it's time to eat, sleep when it's time to sleep. A day is now an infinite number of moments that can be constantly starved and harnessed and separated for exploitation. So are we masters of time or slaves? That's the dark side of our current time-keeping culture. It's killing our margin. In his best-selling book, Margin, Dr. Richard Swenson defines the term as the space between our load and our limits. What What we are currently carrying is our load, and our capacity to carry that load is our limit. Sadly, most of us have erased that space entirely. We live with zero space between our load and our limit. We're now at our breaking point and have nothing left to give. We're just one small decision away from the load circle and the circle limit overlapping on top of each other perfectly in the Venn diagram of margin. When our limits become our load, that's when we experience burnout and depletion. It gets tricky in Christian culture because we often encourage the idea of being busy to the point of leaving no margin in our lives. You're doing the Lord's work. He will fill you up and sustain you. You need to be doing big things for God. And that's true, but we are made for more. So powerful. And so I love that about creating margin. And... um, there's a simple exercise that um, they do in this. This is uh, Jefferson Becky, and he said each year him and his wife get little cards, and on every card they write down every commitment they have. So whether it's work, whether it's their kids' swimming lessons, but everything that they've committed to that calls for their time. So there might be 20 cards on the table, and then they make a decision: which one of these cards are we going to pick up again for the following year? for the coming year. Mm. And so it's choosing to be master over your time and then going, if I pick all these up again, how much margin am I, margin am I actually going to have? And so it's creating, like, filling it up with the most important things. So it's family, it's your work, it's your church commitments, it's um, the close friends that you have in your world. And so then you decide... What am I going to pick up and what else can fall away so that I've got margin to go and make dinner for my neighbour when they're sick and they're in bed or, and actually
actually then yeah. fulfilling the Great Commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel and be the hands and feet of Jesus. And I love that because often we get so busy that when there's a need for like, oh, someone needs a meal, I actually just don't have time to make a meal for someone or whether it's a meal or whatever, go and visit someone in hospital. And so we actually don't have space in our life anymore for those little things that often Jesus is unctioning us to do, like the Holy Spirit is unctioning us to do, to bless or whatever it is. So I loved that. And then... Um, He's going to say it's also every time you say yes to something, you by default you say no to something else. So he imagines his life as a jar full of rocks, and each rock represents something of importance and value in his life. So every time an opportunity comes, and it might be an amazing once in a lifetime opportunity, he goes, If I say yes to this, I've got to take the rock out. Which rock am I going to take out, and is it worth it? I love that. That's awesome. I just love hearing you talk and the wisdom that pours out of you. It's awesome. Hey, can we get communion served? Because we're running a bit of time, so I want to really finish with communion this morning. But that's awesome thoughts. Um, I think, too, one, one of the big things that sort of goes unspoken, too, is, is this is not a one-size-fits-all. I think that's, that's something we really need to address, too. This load and limit thing is really important because, um, you know, one person's limit can be infinitely larger than somebody else's. Um, and we all have different capacities and different abilities to carry different weights and different loads and things like that. Um, it's just about looking and assessing what are we able to do and then, like Anna said, creating, make sure there's enough of that space between our current load and our capacity or our limit. Um, because, you know, there's people in this room that are CEOs and, and run big companies. We're not saying shut that business down because you need to be quieter and, and simply, you might be called to live at that high capacity but you need to find space within that capacity so you don't burn out, you stay protected, you stay, stay, stay safe and, and, and live at a, a rhythm of life con- conduit with Jesus congruent um, Speaking of Richard Foster, I want to say this quote as well. Um, the reason I knew it was him because I had it in my notes, that same quote You did. Um, he also writes Simplicity is the only thing that sufficiently reorients our lives so that possessions can be genuinely enjoyed without destroying us. I'm going to read that again. Simplicity is the only thing that sufficiently reorientates or reorients our lives so that possessions can be genuinely enjoyed without destroying us. It's like, that's so cool. And one of the, you know, I think it's in, in Bethke's book, he, he writes, um, one of the worst questions you can ask yourself when it, when it comes to simplification and, um, and even this process of, of having those four boxes of what am I going to give away, what am I going to sell, what am I going to um, throw out or recycle, or what am I going to wait and hold on to, the, that practice of doing that with our stuff, our clothes, our... Um, Time and money, all that sorts of thing. Those four categories, I think, are really helpful. And 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 what he says essentially in this book is one of the worst questions you can ask yourself in that process of simplifying your life is, is this thing good? Because nine times out of ten, it probably will be. And so you, we will justify complexity by saying, well, this thing is good. It's fun. I enjoy it. It's great. A better question is, is this the best thing for me? 
is this what God would have me do or have me have? Um, because there are so many things in life that are just good and enjoyable and fun. And so that's probably a wrong metric to use when simplifying our life. A higher standard need to be applied and that be like, is this what Jesus wants for me? Is this the best for me? Even though it's good, is it the best? And uh, yeah. I think another thing to consider in that is that often we make decisions based purely on the financial cost. So we go, oh, I can afford it, so let's do it. But it's like, but what about your time? What about your energy? What about your emotions? What about your mental space? So it's not just about considering the financial factor in the things that we buy or choose or add into our schedule, but it's considering every cost and what the whole cost of our life is going to be. Awesome. Do you have any final thoughts? That was my final thought. Oh, cool. Well, why don't we take communion? I just wanted to, um, with this series, um, take communion together just to really bring it all back to centering around Jesus. And, and the reason that we would advocate a simplicity of life is so that we can be more in step with Jesus, more in tune with his plan, his purpose for our life. And so... So why we take communion is simply to reflect and remember about what Jesus has done for us, his accomplishment on the cross, and what that now means for us 2,000 years later, living as his disciples, as his apprentices, as his followers, what he has achieved and what this now means. And so um, obviously, yes, it means our sin has been totally dealt with and we are, have made, been made righteous and whole in his sight. And, but also it's, it's so that we can live free of stuff of the, the pleasures of this world. And so I want us just to take a moment just to take the bread in our own time and take the juice. And that these two things are just simply symbols. They're symbolic of what Jesus has achieved for us. And so I want us to reflect on that, be thankful for that, but also ask ourselves the question in context of this series, how can I make myself and my life more simple so that I can keep the main thing the main thing. So why don't we just eat and drink in our own time together. God, as we bring this service to a close, I thank you so much for all these incredible people that are here this morning, all the kids at the back that are having an awesome time and having so much fun. We are so thankful and grateful that we can meet in a place like this and, and worship you and encounter you and hear from you. And Lord, I pray that today we would not just leave what happened here on the seat that we sat on, but we would take it in our hearts into our world. And Lord, we just pray for this, this thought around simplicity. Would you help us to digest the content, the heartbeat of this message for our own individual lives? Maybe for some of us we need to do that practical thing of putting those four boxes out and, and going through our stuff one week at a time and combing out all the things that are just causing hurry, stress, anxiety, excess, distraction so we can live simpler. Lord, we don't want to be living in a, in a life where we 
are so distracted by things that we can't even discover why you've put us on this planet. So Lord, help us to strip things back. Help us be ruthless in our lives. Help us be responsive to your Holy Spirit in these things. Let us not do it out of an emotional response, but out of an intelligent response. Give us courage, give us strength to detach emotionally from things that we probably put too much value on. And Lord, I pray that through through this whole process, it would not be just a religious exercise or a a legalistic exercise, but it would really just be a a joyful, fun time of drawing closer to you and and letting go of the the stronghold of stuff so that we can hold stronger onto you. And Lord, I just pray that you would bless every one of us here today. And Lord, in this last moment, I just pray that you'd be with any of us here today who've never made a decision to follow you. Lord, that you are the reason for the life we have. Lord, you're the truth that we are all looking for. And life can get so complex with so many noises, so many voices, so many opinions getting thrown around at us. It's hard to know who to believe or where to turn, but I thank you that you are the way, the truth, the life, and we only find true life when we find you. And Lord, if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know you, that would not say, I'm a Christian or a follower of Jesus, Lord, I pray that you would stir their hearts this morning to cross that line of faith and put their trust in you and that their heart would be open to the fullness and reality of who you are. That they would step into a greater way of living, knowing that the God of the universe that created everything, that has a purpose for everything, that they are not on this planet for no reason or by chance, but by design you have put us all here. And so I pray for any of us today that have not discovered that purpose, which starts with a relationship with you. Lord, that they would believe this morning that you are real and choose to follow you. Just as we close, if there's anyone here this morning in that category that would say, hey, you know what, that's me. I need to step over that line of faith and put my trust in Jesus. I would love to pray with you this morning if you just pop your hand up and say, hey, that's me. I don't want to embarrass you or call you out. I just want to see if there's anyone here today. No. Awesome. Yes, thank you. Or maybe you want to come back and reconnect with God that life has got too crazy, too busy, and you need to come back to Jesus being at the center. So God, I thank you for for those of us this morning who've made that decision. Lord, we choose to acknowledge you, center our life around you, and follow after you. No matter the cost, no matter how hard it is, Lord, we choose you because you are the way, the truth, and the life. And we just thank you that you would bless each of us in our life this week. Help us apply these things, these moments of silence and solitude, these practice of Sabbath and rest and fun and and this life of simplicity. Help us to discover how that might look for us in our life. Give us wisdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the C3CH podcast. We trust this week's message inspired and encouraged you. We hope to see you in one of our services soon. For more information on C3 Church Coffs Harbour, visit www.c3ch.com.